0: Welcome to Inside Surgery, a podcast from the European Association for Endoscopic Surgery. Okay, so we're here at the Malta EAES Winter Meet and I'm delighted to be joined by a non-clinician as well as a master surgeon. So I'll let them introduce themselves and we're going to have a talk about the research committee what the EAS does in terms of research and how it can be rolled out across Europe and the, and the various national agencies. So, over to you. Yeah, I'm Dimitris Mavridis.
1: I'm a statistician and uh, a member of the guidelines subcommittee of the EAS, and I work mainly on evidence synthesis.
0: Fantastic. And where are you from, Dimitri?
1: I'm from Greece, from Ioannina, which is a small city in the northwest Greece, very close to Albania and Corfu.
0: Fantastic.
2: I'm Stavros Antoniu, I'm a a general surgeon consultant at the Papageorgi Hospital in Thessaloniki, Greece and I'm chair of the EAES guidelines subcommittee. So can you tell
0: me a little bit about why guidelines are so vital and what the EAES does in terms of uh, propagating these guidelines across Europe? Uh,
2: Clinical practice guidelines, uh, they uh, strongly affect Uh, clinical practice, surgical practice across countries and especially uh, in Europe because we are a European society. So we need to make sure that they are developed uh, with highest methodological standards and uh, EAS has uh, really embraced our efforts to develop guidelines uh, following highest methodological standards.
0: Great, and uh, as a statistician, how do you get involved in this process? Because m- most people we meet here are surgeons. Yes, so um,
1: to develop proper and useful guidelines, and you need uh, evidence-based methods and typically one, meth- one way to get those are through statistics, through randomized control trials and I, I know personally Stavros, so he approached me like, uh, I don't actually remember how long ago talked to me about uh, his vi- that vision of his and he insisted that uh, a statistician was needed and I was very happy to
0: assist. This has obviously been an interesting um, collaboration between a statistician and, and, and surgeon. What has the real world impact been of your work together?
2: So first of all uh, we have a dedicated group of statisticians who do all the statistics for our guideline projects Uh, they work independently, which means that they are completely unbiased. Uh, Of course, we act as uh, consultants whenever they have a query regarding uh, uh, regarding uh, any issue uh, pertaining to a surgical practice or uh, an issue encountered during uh, so in uh, statistical in data analysis, Uh, synthesis of the data, typically by the means Uh, by means of meta-analysis, is extremely important in the context of guidelines because uh, the output is much more precise compared to uh, individual study data. So whenever we can synthesize data from multiple studies, the results are much more precise. And these results, these findings, can better inform the panel, uh, the guideline panel, to uh, recommend for or against an intervention. Can you give some examples of
0: a recent case or some work that you've done with these statistical analyses that has led to a particular guideline changing or perhaps a new piece of advice being given across the network?
2: So we recently worked on a, a, a guideline on the management of gastroesophageal reflux disease where we have multiple competing interventions and our statisticians statisticians, uh, employed a network meta-analysis. So we had multiple interventions. We could make a simultaneous comparison of multiple interventions. And uh, the panel, informed by the findings of the statistical analysis, they decided to uh, suggest the use of a partial fund application uh, over uh, total fund application, which may be considered now the standard of care. But in the light of this uh, new evidence, uh, it seems that the surgical world is uh, changing in favor of partial fund application. Excellent. So you stopped it from being a, a subjective decision to one which is much more evidence informed. Exactly. Uh, of course, the decision regarding the right, uh, the most proper surgical approach can be individualized uh, and based on the data that we have, we suggest a partial fund application which means that we do not strongly recommend it, but a partial fund application may in the vast majority of cases be the most appropriate uh, approach. Thank you.
0: So in terms of the organisation itself, um, it must be very difficult to align uh, the frameworks of different national organisations towards um, a European kind of superstructure. Um, What are some of the challenges of of, um, regulatory harmonisation and being able to give advice
2: across different territories? It's a very good point. Uh, Actually, we try to we try to involve people from uh, all around Europe in order to develop European guidelines. Uh, When we do that, we need to take into account uh, variations in practice, variation in healthcare systems across Europe. Uh, This is a really difficult task, but by ensuring diversity uh, in the panel uh, of guideline developers, uh, we try to make sure that the guidelines will apply to uh, multiple settings, multiple uh, countries around Europe. So I, I understand you are now um, moving
0: on from your position as Chair of the Guidelines Subcommittee. How will things change over the
2: next five years? So we look forward to uh, receiving applications uh, for new members to join the EAES Guidelines Subcommittee. We really welcome people uh, of young age in the start of the surgical career, uh, both genders uh, joining our subcommittee. Ideally, uh, people with uh, experience in evidence synthesis, people who would be willing to become trained in the field of guideline development. Uh, And hopefully we'll see the EAS Guidelines Subcommittee flourish further. Just to finish, can you
0: comment about... um the benefit of collaborations outside of the surgical um, field because often you think surgical congresses are just going to be uh, surgeons talking surgery but uh, the experience I've had is that actually there's quite a a range of topics and a range of experiences that are are drawn upon.
2: Absolutely, so this this is the next step so we really want to move forward and collaborate with other societies, surgical and medical societies, for the purposes of guideline development. Already we uh, this year we uh, are collaborating with uh, SAGES and uh, ESCP in the context of a guideline on uh, bowel preparation before laparoscopic rectal surgery. Uh, and we, uh, we really want to collaborate with medical societies uh, as well because we want to ensure that all stakeholders groups are being represented uh, in uh, clinical practice guidelines in the field of surgery. Okay, thank you very much guys. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about the activities of the EAS Guidelines Subcommittee. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. We at Olympus are glad to support this EAS initiative. Reach out to us to get more information on our innovative energy and imaging portfolio.
0: Okay, welcome back to Insight Surgery. I'm joined by Albert Wolfhaus from Belgium, who's going to talk about what he takes from the Congress, why he's come out here, and some of the jobs of the research committee. So, welcome, Albert.
3: Thank you, Amish. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Perfect. So, um, you were involved in the research committee uh, yesterday. What's your
3: role on that committee
0: and, and uh, how do you find it insightful? Why is it a useful organisation to belong to?
3: Well, yes, as an academic surgeon, I'm an academic colorectal surgeon. I've always been interested in research. And when um, the research uh, position or when the position in the research committee came up, I uh, immediately applied and um, after some interviews, I uh, was selected to be a member of the research committee, which is a great honour for me. So this is my first research meeting. And... Um, at the committee, and uh, I'm joining the winter meeting uh, as well, uh, which I very much enjoy, actually. And what area of research are you particularly interested in? You said you were a colorectal
0: surgeon, um, but there's a range of research that gets discussed on that committee. What, for you, is the kind of
3: themes that come from that? Well, the roles of the research committee, um, as you're probably aware of, uh, is uh, to select um, uh, best uh, research proposals and... Um, uh, select those proposals for, uh, for EAS grant um, to um, uh, really uh, push research forward. Uh, and so my role is to um, assess um, colorectal research grant proposals um, and, uh, and score them. Um,
0: yeah it was really interesting to uh, listen into that meeting and to see the range of different research topics that people had submitted from across Europe and how you went about scoring those it's a very kind of democratic and transparent process Um, and then you know you happen to draw the line somewhere about what what goes forward for peer review and then which ones get funded
3: I think um, that's that's very important Um, you I mean Within Europe and within the AS, uh, we we are a very strong organisation, and I think that uh, by by doing this and uh, by giving the research committee the task um, of um, assessing those uh, proposals, it's um, a very scientific process. And um, as a member, you also uh, get in touch what uh, with what other groups are are doing and. Um, it's also very inspiring. And there's clearly representation
0: from right across Europe on that committee uh, which reflects the, the membership um, itself. It's quite interesting to see different themes from different areas of Europe where you see different specialisms in different pockets and so on. Is there anything from northern Europe that you feel is particularly uh, hot right now in terms of either
3: research or practice? Well I'm very much involved in, um, in uh, research on low rectal cancer and uh, there's a still a a big debate going on um, on how to do uh, a proper TME and how to perform a low uh, pelvic anastomosis and um, there are some oncological and technical issues uh, attached to that uh, procedure and uh, as you're probably aware of um, uh, there is a, a procedure called transanal TME where we come from the bottom end and dissect upwards and there is some um, uh, Problems with that uh, regarding local recurrences and uh, an oncological outcome recently. So there is some, still some debate um, on um, on whether or not uh, to uh, to perform a transanal TME, and uh, what to do when you cannot reach uh, the lower part of the pelvis uh, by uh, laparoscopy or by a robotic approach. What should you do? Should you convert, or should should you get the uh, transanal platform in and uh, get some help from? Uh, from below, so that is a very um, interesting part of of my research at the moment.
0: In terms of training, I know that there's a lot of training that goes on in Northern Europe, Um, the the backlogs and the challenges of Covid and post Covid that we hear about from so many people, how is that being dealt with in in your locality, what lessons can
3: be learned? It it is um, a difficult topic, we still have um, a huge number of surgical trainees. Um, It's well organized in Belgium, but um, trainees um, are getting less and less exposure, unfortunately, due to working time uh, um, restrictions. Um, And to, um, yeah, exposure is getting less and less uh, because of um, case volume, uh, which also been influenced by the uh, COVID uh, pandemic. And on top of that, um, I think um, future training will also shift a bit to more uh, proficiency-based progression training. And it's still not clear on, um, on how that will evolve, but I think that the training model and uh, the way we uh, train our uh, uh, residents will, um, will definitely change in the future. Do
0: you see technology as having a role in that change um, with the kind of simulation that can take place now with some of the new technologies coming online? Um, how do you see that 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 fitting into the pathway you've talked about? I think probably most people recognize that the see one, do one, train one is is, is really a, a kind of pedagogy of the past and, and moving forwards. How do you see technology in the mix?
3: Well, technology will make a huge um, uh, difference and will have a great Um, impact. Um, uh, I think that um, uh, simulation and um, uh, VR and AI and um, online and hands-on training models uh, will definitely uh, play a role um, and that um, trainees will also be assessed before coming to the OR to have run through those modules uh, before they actually um, um, touch a patient. So, I'm, I'm sure that um, that technology will play a role to move to the next phase.
0: Yeah, so, kind of competency-based training supported by technology.
3: I'm sure that will be the future training model. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, um, the last question really is uh, about a running club for the EAES. Do you think this is something which would have uh, uh, would catch
3: fire with the membership? I know uh, you are a keen runner. I'm sure. Uh, th- a running club or even a cycling club ah. uh, will uh, will attract some uh, <laughs> some members, so um, Next I'm 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 keen to organise that uh, uh, as well. Especially uh, we just heard that uh, uh, one of the winter meetings uh, will be in uh, Belgium uh, ah, in the future. So um, we might uh, do some uh, cycling. Um, um, uh, how do you say the cycling workshop uh, then?
0: Okay. So here's the big question Can you get Eddie Merckx to lead us out on a uh, EAES cycle?
3: <laughs> I don't think I can.
0: Oh.
3: Well, thank you very much for your time, Albert. <laughs> You're welcome, it's a pleasure.
0: Thanks for joining Inside Surgery. Please visit our website at eaes.eu for a wealth of resources, information, events, and research to support surgery. We at Olympus are to
2: support this EAES initiative. Reach out to us to get more information on our innovative energy and imaging portfolio. Olympus, your preferred partner.